Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message. It is my honor and privilege to introduce to you this morning Pastor Mark Allen. Uh, he's a dear friend and uh, walked with him uh, for many years now and just as a coach, as a mentor. Uh, he leads a pastoral group, uh, coaching group that we meet in once a month in, uh, at his church in Athens, Texas. It's part of the uh, TFAC Association of Churches that we're part of. And I'm just so blessed to have Pastor Mark with us this morning. Uh, as said in the first service, he's the real deal. He goes on uh, far beyond just just being a pastor. He is a great husband. He's a great father uh, to two two children, and he's about to be a grandfather, first time grandfather. Yeah. So, and I know he's going to be a fantastic grandfather as well. Will you join me in welcoming Pastor Mark Allen this morning? Well, good morning, everyone. Y'all glad to be here today? Man, I so appreciate that prayer by Pastor Daryl this morning. What was that you prayed? Active patience. That's a man who's had kids. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's that's powerful stuff right there. I'm telling you, I, I should have been praying for that when I was uh, raising my kids. My kids now are not kids. I have a 30-year-old daughter uh, who's married to our wonderful son-in-law, and, and uh, she's actually preaching today at our church uh, for our people today, so we're super excited about that. And she's pregnant with my first grandchild. Man, we're happy about that. Super excited. You know, I've, I told them from the very start, you don't need that birth control just to get started, you know. It's, anyway, I've, I've been trying to think of my, um, you know, as a you know first grandchild, you know, you have a responsibility to figure out what your name is going to be. What are they going to call you, you know? And I have some people that'll come and say, oh, you know, come up with something good, you know, and then I have other people come and say, just let your, let your grandchildren, uh, name you. And I'm, I'm a little bit scared if my grandchildren name me. It might be something like poo poo or, I don't know. I just, some things I just don't want to be called. So I, I've been thinking about what I'm going to be called as a grandfather and, and I've kind of come up with one that I like. My daughter doesn't like it, but I really like it. And I just need to see if you guys, if you guys feel it'd be a good one. I mean, so would y'all, I mean, just let me know. I mean, you know, let me know if you think this is a good one. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I, I've read like, I don't know, a hundred different grandpa names. I'm P-Pop and Pop-Pop. And, but here's the one I think I really like. All right, y'all tell me what you think. I, I like the name Ed Hefe. <laughs> y'all like it? Y'all good with that? I like it. My daughter's like, no, Dad, I'm not calling you El Jefe. I was like, well, that's up to the grandkids now, isn't it? <laughs> we go by a new set of rules when you're a grandparent. <laughs> so anyway. Hey, by the way, your sanctuary looks fantastic. Aren't you all proud of what you guys have done here? This looks beautiful. I know the last time we were here, uh, I was thinking, it was, it was nice. It really was. It was beautiful. But I tell you, there's something about this. It's just warm. It's inviting. I think you guys are set up for the next level of growth in your church and super proud of you guys. Are y'all ready to see what God's going to do with your future and everything? And, and can we give it up for your pastors, for Pastor Chris, Pastor Candy, doing a great job here. Love you guys so much. Okay, y'all ready to jump in the Word? This is why we come. We want to know the Word of God. We want to hear God's Word. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to two passages. I'm going to make it real simple for you. Turn to Matthew 16. 
And then if you, how many of you have a paper Bible? Let me see your hands. How many of you have a paper Bible? You have a paper Bible? Okay, if you have a paper Bible, uh, put your finger in at Matthew 25. But when we flip over to Matthew 25, keep your place in Matthew 16. We're going to come right back to that. And if you're like me, how many of you have an electronic Bible like I do, all right? So uh, I don't know how you put your finger in there. Just good luck. Figure out what you need to do. I've always thought it would be fun, uh, you know. I, I like highlighting in my Bible. I don't know how many of you like to highlight because there's just things God speaks to my heart about. So I do a lot of highlighting in my Bible. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tried using a Sharpie on my electronic Bible and it just, I don't know, just didn't quite, doesn't seem to work very well. So anyway, if you need to highlight something today because I really feel like God wants to speak to our hearts. So can we uh, go to the Lord in prayer? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you just speak to our hearts, speak to our lives? Uh, would you just invite the Holy Spirit right where you're seated? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? God, just say this to the Lord. God, would you, would you help me to respond to your word? Lord, we need to hear from you. Here's, here's the reality. Lord, we don't need to hear from another preacher. We need to hear from you. God, would you use your word today to speak to our hearts and speak to our lives? Will you humble us? Will you humble us? Will you help us to be what you've called us to be? In the precious, precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, I want to talk to you today about Be the Church. Let me tell you a little bit about where this came from. Uh, every year, uh, I pray all year long, but sometime around October, November, I begin to pray about specifically, Lord, do you have a word for your people? Do you have a word for me? Uh, as a pastor, we're responsible for basically three things. We're responsible for leading sheep. We're responsible for feeding sheep. And we're responsible for protecting sheep. Aren't you glad for, you guys have a security team here. We, I watch. I'm an observer. I've seen your security team. You know, I've been watching around, counting how many guys are standing around. Aren't you glad for security team members? So here's the thing. I believe that God has called us as pastors. I can't protect you in your home, but if you come to the house of God, one of our responsibilities is to protect people, protect your children. Aren't you glad to come to a church where they protect your children, love on your children, care for your children? So uh, this is responsibilities that we have is to lead sheep, protect sheep, feed sheep. These are this is what God has called us to. And so uh, when I when I about October, November, I began to pray, Lord, what is it that you would say to your people, to your church? And God began to just, you know, you ever get that just nagging voice that's down in your heart and you're trying to figure out, you know, there's something that God's saying, but you, you know, have you ever struggled to go, is it, what is it he's specifically saying? What is God really trying to tell me? And so all through the month of December, I was praying about this and, and about this year, January 1st fell on a Sunday morning. And so a couple of nights before January 1st felt like God really got real clear with me and told me what it was, was, would be the word for the church for 2023. And then when I stood and told our people on January 1st, this is what I feel like God is telling us as a church together. It just pops, just popped out of my mouth as I was, I was sitting there talking about it. I said, I feel like this is not just a word for life fellowship. That's the church where I serve. I feel like this is a church. This is a word for all of God's church. This is a word for the big C church. And so, uh, so I feel like I have a word for New Covenant Church today. I think this is a word for you, for your congregation today. And that is, be the church. I feel like God said to me, tell my people to be the church. And so here's the question, how, how do we do that? How do we get to become the church? Now, you need to understand some things about the church. I think we say some things that are not exactly correct. Again, I don't think it's any intent. I don't think it's any malice. I don't, I don't think it's because we're trying to deceive anybody. But sometimes we say things that's not really the intent behind it. So if our, you know, maybe yesterday you're working in your yard, maybe you saw a neighbor, 
maybe maybe someone asked you this, or maybe before you got to church, you stopped at Starbucks or Mojo. Y'all have Mojo, right? Is that right? Mojo Coffee. That's what I remember when I come to town. My daughter's always like, "Let's go to Mojo Coffee" when we've been in town. So, uh, so you know, maybe you were there, and someone asked you the question, uh, "Where are you going? Where are you headed?" And we make the statement, "Going to church." Okay, listen to me. I don't think it's actually a correct statement because the reason we make that statement is we think to ourselves that the church is a building. It's a place that we go. And let me just challenge you and challenge your notion because you can't be the church if you have the idea that the building is the church. Uh, listen, it's, I, I don't know about you. I'm so grateful for church buildings today. Uh, it, in my lifetime, I, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in the church. We literally, the day I, after I was born, I mean, my dad didn't believe we stayed at home, like ever. I mean, we were there. I mean, we, we went to a denominational background that they had, you know, you had to go to Sunday school on Sunday morning. Then you went to Sunday morning worship. Then you went to Sunday night training union. Then you went to Sunday night church. Then you went to Tuesday night visitation. Then you went to Wednesday night prayer meeting. And then following that, we had... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you exactly my denomination. Some of you will understand this. I, we came out of the Baptist background. Uh, you know, we had RAs. Anyone remember RAs or anyone know what I'm talking about with RAs? So, and, and every time the door was open, we were in church. My dad believed, uh, you better be sick, uh, if you weren't going to church. I remember one Sunday morning I woke up. We were living in Duncan, Oklahoma. And, uh, my dad was pastoring a church there and I woke up and I wasn't feeling good. And I told dad, I'm not feeling good. He goes, well, you're not throwing up. So we went to church and literally got out of the car, took about 20 steps, puked all over the church parking lot. And he goes, now you can go home. So anyway, <laughs> we were at church like all the time. And so, you know, uh, you get to this moment. I, I'm just so grateful that church has kind of shifted a little bit. And I, you know, we, when we went to church, we didn't have air conditioning. Any of you glad for air conditioning today? I'm just telling you, it's something about being here in Texas that you better have some air conditioning. I'm just grateful for it. But when we went to church, we had ceiling fans. In the church, you know, and uh, we were grateful for that. That was that was the air condition. I mean, those suckers were spinning, and you you would position yourself so that you could get the best downflow during church, you know. And when you came in uh, the back doors of the church, you know, they would hand you a bulletin, and, and and depending on which church you were in, and a fan. Anyone remember being handed a paper fan? So you could do this. Some are, I mean, some of our young people are like a fan. You mean like one of those? Bzzz? No, I mean. It literally had like a popsicle stick on it, you know, you just wave that sucker. And that's how you would cool down. And then the other thing I remember about church, and I'm, so I'm grateful for air conditioning. I love air conditioning. The other thing I remember about church is we had pews. Anyone ever go to a church where they had pews, those old wooden, hard pews? I, I'm convinced the reason they did that was so you wouldn't go to sleep in church. I'm telling you. Them suckers hurt. I mean, I, you try and lay your head back like this as a kid. I remember trying to lay my head back on that wood. And when, when you would wake up, you know, because you did fall asleep, you'd have this knot thing on the back of your head that just hurt. You're like, oh, my back of my head hurts, you know. Uh, you know, we had those little wooden pews. And then, you know, you mix in hot and sweat. You would sweat through your clothes. And then when you stood up, the varnish on the pew would stick your clothes. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all aren't, some of y'all aren't that far removed from where I'm at, you know. I'm not that old. I'm only like, you know, well, we started having kids when I was like 11, so not, not really. So, you know, I'm just telling you, church, I'm grateful. Aren't you glad to have a building to come to that's comfortable? Aren't you glad to have chairs that are cushiony, you know, so that, you know, I don't go to sleep. But anyway, so that you can sleep better in church, you know. 
I'm, I'm just grateful for the things that we have today. That It's good that we're able to have that. But here's the thing. Those things don't make church. They're just an item. They're just a convenience. You know, it's just a... I mean, it's just life is different today, but we've got to be careful that we don't get to the place where we believe that church is going to a place, going to a location. We have to come to the place where we realize the church is something different than a building. And I think God's trying to tell us, see, I think what we've done is we're going to go have church. But God didn't call us to have church. He called us to be the church. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Jesus is the first person uh, in Scripture to use this word church. I don't know if you ever knew that or not. But the first time that the word church occurs in Scripture occurs in Matthew. And then, if you really want to kind of think about it, it only occurs twice in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not till you get to the book of Acts that this word becomes a recurring theme in the Bible. Again, after the resurrection and after people begin to put faith in Jesus, now we have a church. But Jesus is the first one to tell us that this is going to happen, that there is going to be a church. Let me show it to you. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples. Again, people who at this moment should be, that's the, the best semblance of believers in that moment. Again, we, Jesus has not shed his blood yet. He's not got to Calvary's cross. He's not been resurrected from the dead. But this is the best semblance of people who put faith in Jesus, to walk around with Jesus. So he says to them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? But by the way, you need to catch this. It is the most important question that I believe we as a church today, as believers today, need to be able to answer this question. Uh, and by the way, your answer will dictate what you understand about what God has called you to be as being the church. Who do people say that I am? So they said, and again, I just want you to think about, there are people who would make this statement even today. Some would say, John the Baptist. Let me, let me bring that into real terms today. You know, some, some would say, uh, you know, you are Billy Graham. Uh, some would say you're like Stephen Furtick. Some would say you're like Joel Osteen. I'm just thinking about famous pastors that we have. Some would say you're like Robert Morris. Some would say you're like Pastor Jimmy Evans. Y'all, y'all follow this? So they're just saying, who do, who do people say? Well, you're kind of like these people. You're like John the Baptist. Or so others would say you're like Elijah. And others said Jeremiah. Or one of the other prophets. And I, I think, I don't know that this is a conclusive list. I, I think that they were sitting around having a conversation and they were just, you know, maybe, maybe there was a campfire. I don't know. But maybe they were just walking down along the path. And Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I, who do people say that I am? And they just started saying, I don't And I think there may have, maybe someone said, yeah, you're kind of like Isaiah. Because, boy, your preaching is incredible. Or you're like Ezekiel because the words that you speak prophetically are just powerful. And I think they were just, you're like Jonah or you're like Joseph. or They just started naming names throughout the Bible. Or you're like Enoch, you walked with God. And, and I don't know, but there's a lot of different names that people were saying. I don't know who this guy is, but there's something different about this guy. So Jesus gets more specific in verse 15. And he says to them, but who do you say? And that is my question that I have for you. Again, this will dictate to you, if you'll figure this out, it will dictate to you 
what it means to be the church. But what do you say? Who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter answers. And good, you remember Simon Peter. Simon Peter is famous for uh, open mouth, insert foot. Y'all know that? That's Simon Peter. He's always like that. And by the way, I, I don't know about you. I identify with Peter. I love Peter. I, there's something about him that just, that, that's, that is Mark Allen in the flesh right now. I mean, I'm just, there's something about, I, I will constantly, and I may say something today. I'm sorry if I offend you. Just get ready. I mean, I just, I have a, a way of just opening my mouth and inserting foot. Anyone with me? You feel a little bit like Peter? You're just like, you know, and by the, you know where this happens a lot in, in home, in the marriage, Right? Uh, how many of you, how many of you are married? Can I see your hand real quick? Okay. Keep your hand up. Okay. Just keep your hand up. If you're married. Okay. How many of you, uh, as married people have had a fight in your marriage? Let me see your hand. Did any hands go down? To get any, because if your hand went down, you're a liar. I'm just telling you. Or you hadn't been married for very long. I mean, you, you've only been married for about a week. The fight hadn't happened yet. Right. And so, again, we're, we're famous in our, one of the reasons we have fights in marriage is because we open our mouths and insert foot in that moment. And many, many a time I've had to go back and apologize to my wife. Uh, I was right, but I said it wrong. No, I'm just kidding. She, she, she was here. She'd be like, no, sir. You know, I've been wrong many a time, mostly because I would open my mouth and insert my foot in my mouth. We're just like that. That's just human nature is like that. But this time Peter got it right. Something different. 95% of the time he got it wrong, but this time he got it right. What did he say? He says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. He got it right. This is something powerful. By the way, don't get too excited about Peter. He's finally getting it right. You know, it's, it's like three, four, five more verses down. Jesus has to rebuke him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. So he's back to putting a foot back in his mouth. But something prophetic came out of the mouth of Simon he says, you are the Christ. So what is the word Christ? The word Christ there in the Greek is the word Christos. So it means the anointed one. If you were to look at it in Hebrew, it would be the word Hamashiach. Uh, literally meaning the Messiah, meaning the chosen one. The one who was picked from the beginning of time to come into humanity. What was Peter saying? God spoke to him, spoke to him, and spoke through him and said, you're the one that we've been looking for from all eternity, from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future, to come and redeem men of all of their sins. You are the Christ. You're the Savior of the world. You are literally the Son of the living God. You are God in flesh. This is a powerful, powerful statement. And if you don't get that part, you'll never learn how to become the church. So Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you didn't get this on your own. Flesh and blood didn't give it to you. But my father spoke through you. You got this from my father who's in heaven. Do y'all see that in that verse? You, this, this, this came from God. This didn't come from you, Peter. You, you would get this wrong, but my father just spoke through you, Peter. And he goes on to say this really powerful statement in verse 18. I also say to you, this is really the crux to what we're going to talk about today for the message. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. There's that word, first time it's ever occurred in the New Testament. I'm going to build a church out of this. And he says, in the gates of hell, Hades will not overpower it. Let me, let me ask you a question today, New Covenant Church. Would you like... For the gates of hell not to be able to come against New Covenant Church. How many of you would like to have that? 
Can I see your hand? How many of you like to have that? Wouldn't that be great? That, that, that the power of hell cannot stand against what we do? Okay, he says, I'm telling you, there's, there's a method for getting God to show up at New Covenant Church. And what is it? And I want you to see the three things. Again, if you're not careful, we'll just say, well, the gates of hell can't come against us. And then when the gates of hell come against us and overpower us, we go, what happened? Because we missed what it was that Jesus actually said. So he says there's something that happens before you get the power to overcome the gates of hell. What was it? Okay, watch this. He says, I want to tell you the truth about something. You, Simon Barjona, are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Three words here that are very, very important for us to catch. Now, we're going to give you some Greek words today. So don't glaze over when we start giving you Greek, all right? So Because I think there's some words that we ought to understand. And if we don't know the Greek, we won't understand how they fit together as a puzzle, okay? So I just want to show you some things today. So notice, here's what he said. He says, I tell you the truth, you are, and here's the first Greek word, Petros. Can you say Petros with me? So he's literally, notice how close that is to the English word Peter. You are Petros. You are Peter. Simon, Jesus is changing Simon's name to now you're Peter. You are Petros. And upon this, here's the Greek word, Petra. Do you see how close Petros is to Petra? Do you see it? Again, in the English you wouldn't catch this. But in the Greek we understand he's saying there's something that's powerful here that you need to catch. That you are Petra, and on this, you are Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my church. Okay, let me help you with it a little bit. So the word Petra means a rock. There's another word for that, it means the rock. It means, another word to say is the cliff. In other words, this is a big giant rock, this Petra. Okay, there is a location in Jordan known as Petra. And the whole city is built into the rocks there in Jordan. He says, I want to tell you the truth. He goes, on this Petra, on this rock. Well, who is the rock? This rock is Jesus. Can we all agree with that? Okay, this rock. Remember, there was a rock that followed the children of Israel around when they were in the wilderness. This rock is Jesus. You need to catch this part. Because if you're not, if you, if you miss this, some people will say, well, we had to build, we had to build the church on Peter. It's not what he's saying. He's saying we're going to build this church, this church on the Petra. But he says, I tell you the truth, you are Petros. Now, what's the word Petros? The word Petros is the word for Peter. But what it means is you're a small stone. You're a little stone. You're, you're a small chip. You're, you're a little piece off of the Petra. I, let, let me help you. Here's what he's saying. You are a chip off of the Petra. Let me say it another way. You are a chip off the old block. You are a small piece of what it looks like to have Jesus, the big Petra. Are y'all with it? Do you see that? Okay. Okay. Here's the reality. As a believer in Christ, all of us are Peters. All of us are Petros. We are meant to be a small chip off of the bigger rock. And then he says, you are Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my church. The word church here is the word ekklesia. Okay, say, say Greek word with me, ekklesia, say it. 
Ecclesia. Okay, so the word ecclesia means the church. Literally means, so here's what he's saying. I want to build my church on the rock, but every one of you are a small chip off of the old rock. So when the Lord says to us as a church, be the church, what does that look like? Now, now the word ecclesia, let me help you with it. The word ecclesia means, and I, I didn't make up this definition. I literally just pulled it straight out of my Greek lexicon. Here's what it says. It means a calling out. Do you know that as a believer you've been called out? Do you realize that this world is not your home, that you're merely existing here right now? You're just a sojourner passing through this kingdom right now. Y'all know that? You have been called out of this world. You're still in this world, but you've been called out of this world. You need to understand that. So as the church, we have been called out of this place. It is a calling out. Calling out of what you used to be and a calling into what you're called to be. He goes, it goes on to say it is a gathering of citizens uh, called out from their homes into some public place. An assembly. L- listen to me. I, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I'm, I'm glad that you came to assemble yourselves together today. And, I, you know, we're doing something today that's really unique to our culture today. Literally, this wasn't happening 25, 30 years ago. You never saw this before. Today, we have the ability to live stream. And you can literally not come to church. You can sit in your home all by yourself. And you can watch the service online. And by the way, if you're watching it, we're glad that you're watching. And especially if you're, you know, there's just certain situations where, you know, maybe age, maybe health, Certain situations where you're not able to attend. Aren't you glad if you go on vacation, you can actually tune in and watch New Covenant Church online? Aren't you glad for that? But listen to me very carefully. It's very important you understand that. And that's, there's a certain place for that. But you cannot assemble in the church. You cannot gather in your home to be a part of the greater, bit, greater good. You have to come together in a place, it's just a place, so that there's something sacred that happens among God's people. You are a small stone, and God has called us to gather together. And when we come together, we resemble the rock. And on this rock, God is building his kingdom, his church. Are you all with me on all of this? And then when you start getting that, you'll begin to understand how to overcome the gates of hell. Okay, now, so here's my question. If that's true... How can we be the church? How can we do that? Okay, are you ready? So I've got four points. I hope you'll write them down. Okay, here you go. Here's point number one. It's very important. How do we become the church? How do we do that? Number one, you must be born again. Okay, listen to me. You can come and attend church and not be the church. You can come in this place today and you're just an observer, but you don't know Jesus. If you are not born again, you're not the church. You must be born again. Nicodemus asked this question. He was a Pharisee. Again, we obviously know ultimately the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, they came against Jesus and made the decision that we've got to kill this guy because he's creating a, he's creating something that we never expected. He's, he's outside the box on where we are right now. And so they decided that we need to make sure that he is put to death. The Bible says they decided within them, the reason within, within themselves to say, uh, to figure out how they could kill him. Okay, listen to me very carefully. Jesus laid down his life on purpose. He put it in their hearts for this to happen. But long before that ever happened, one of those Pharisees, the Bible says, came to Jesus by nighttime. Now, I believe that's important you understand that Jesus came at night. Or, excuse me, Nicodemus came at night. Why do you think Nicodemus came at night? I think it's because, this is my opinion, I think he, he came at night because he didn't want the other Pharisees to discover he had gone and talked to Jesus. 
So he was kind of trying to hide out. By the way, this is how some people are. They've come, they've come to church, they're watching in church. They, they really want to hide out. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be known. They just want to kind of come and sit and warm a chair someplace. Okay? Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he asks Jesus a really important question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, again, just think about the terminology. What must I do? Do you know that you can't do anything to be saved? That it, listen, it is not by works, but it is by faith and through the grace of God that we're saved. He's asking a question, what do I have to do to get my way into heaven, into the kingdom of heaven? How do I do that? How do I inherit eternal life? So, And he goes on to say, he says, what must I do to inherit? You know what the word inherit means? Here, here's what he's saying. What do I have to do to buy my way in? To what you're doing. He was watching Jesus heal. He was watching Jesus do all these amazing works. He was watching the kingdom of God come on earth. And he says, what, what do I have to do to get involved with this process? Okay. So again, you have to understand what the real question was. But Jesus does answer his question in a really unusual way. He says to him, oh, you want to be a part of my kingdom? Oh, well, you have to be born again. Nicodemus turns and looks at Jesus and says, well, how can a man do that? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? Okay, I want you to just think about that. Every mother in the room is saying to their kid, no, sir. No, no, sir. This is not going to happen. You were bad enough the first time. You ain't coming back again. This is it. You're out, right? So Nicodemus says, what must I do to be born again? Do I enter my mother's womb a second time? Jesus responds to him and says, that which is born of the flesh, that's born of mother, literally born of flesh, is born of flesh. You don't have to have that again. You've already had that birth. But you must be born again, so that which is born of spirit is spirit. In other words, there is a flesh birth and there is a spiritual birth. Every one of you were born of the flesh. Every one of us were born of a woman. Amen? We don't, we don't believe this woke culture, do we? <clears throat> Where we, we think we're born of a man. We're not born of a man, we're born of a woman. Every one of us. Okay, every one of us. So Jesus says, now that you've been born of flesh, you can't have that flesh birth again. That's over. That's finished. What you need now is a spiritual awakening in your life. You need to be spiritually born in your life. You must be born again. Notice how Jesus says it in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Now, I know in a very real sense when we talk about being born of the kingdom of God, it would say, well, you know what he's saying is, uh, if you're born again, you get to go to heaven. How many of you are glad that when you invite Jesus in your heart, your, your destination is set, you get to go to heaven? Anyone glad for that today? Well, I'm glad for that. So I know in a sense he's actually saying that you're going to get to go to heaven. You just have to understand, you, you get to go to heaven if you know Jesus. That's just the way that it works. But I'm not sure that's 100% what he was saying. Because what he said was, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Okay, okay. I want, I want you to think about this. This is the very thing that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He said to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. And one of the things in the statement was, your will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all, y'all know that? Okay. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. You want to see? You're watching me do all these things. You're watching the kingdom come through my life. You want to see the kingdom of God on earth? You must be born again. You want to see my power in your marriage? You want to see my power with your kids? You want to see my power on your business? You want to see my power in your church? Listen, you have to start here. You must be born 
Again, you must come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. By the way, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, it's really simple. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You can be born again today. And you can, and you can stop just being a church attender and start being the church. That's the first step in being the church is knowing Jesus. Here's the second thing that we need to understand. And that is you must practice obedience. Uh, you, do you realize that God's called us to obey him? Now, listen, I, I understand works do not save us. Please, please hear me. I'm not saying that we're working our way into the heaven. Right? We don't, that's not how this works. We are saved by grace through faith and that alone. There's no other way to be saved. What I am saying, though, that once you become a believer, God is saying to you, now obey me. You know, one of the evidences of a believer is when some people begin to say, not my will, but yours. What you want, not what I want. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your directions are better than my directions. The the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Notice that whole thing is about saying, God, I'm going to do what you want. Your direction is best for my life. What What you're saying is, Lord, I will obey you. So listen, the second step of being the church is learning to obey God. And, and one of the first things that we do to obey God, the first one is we come to the Lord and say, Lord, would you save me? Save me from my sins. Forgive me from where I'm at. God, I believe in you. I trust in you. That's salvation. The second step is, and just think about it. It's real simple. We, we follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Notice this in Acts chapter 2, verse 30. It says, two, verse, excuse me, Acts 2, 38 says, Peter said to them, this is on the day of Pentecost, and they said, what do we have to do to get in on this? Peter makes it real simple. He says, there's three things you have to do. Number one, repent. Each of you, again, repentance. Can we all agree that repentance is the moment we invite Jesus? We say, Lord, I realize, I recognize I'm a sinner and I have a need for you. I need a Savior, Christ, Savior, Lord Jesus, come into my life. So he says you have to repent, first step. The second one is, and be baptized. We'd all agree that's water baptism. He says you need to be baptized. Again, what is water baptism? Water baptism is when we follow the Lord in obedience Y'all follow that? In obedience, you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm a believer. I want the world to know it. I obey you in the same way that you obeyed your father. Jesus, who never needed salvation, went and was baptized in obedience to his father. And his father said to him, well done, thy good. He said, well done. This is my son and whom I'm well pleased. Is that right? Okay. God is saying to all of us, we need to learn to obey him. And then the third thing he says real close, real clearly, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And here's the third thing. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God's real clear here. He says, if you'll, if you'll repent, get saved, if you'll follow me and start learning to walk in obedience, then I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's going to go with you everywhere. We all need a baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. This is a, a path for your life. But by the way, obedience doesn't stop at baptism alone. Some of you are like, I've got that one. Oh, yes. Like, oh, I got that one. Okay. But obedience goes well beyond just baptism. That's just one first step. Think about it. There's some other things that God says you should learn how to be obey me in. Uh, well, here's, here's one of those. Again, I'm, I'm just mentioning a few. Okay. And by the way, the thing I'm about to mention, uh, it's the one thing, the second that I mention it, a spirit will speak to us. And it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm, let me just say it. Okay. Y'all ready? Uh, tithe. Some of you, as soon as I said that, that spirit said, (laughs) okay, listen to me. The Bible tells us very close. It's very interesting. When Jesus talks about the tithe, he says, man cannot serve both God and mammon. There's a spirit tied to money. 
Just, you just need to know that. In fact, you need to understand this. There is a string that is attached from your heart to your money. So that when you reach in here and you pull this, it pulls your heart. I know some of you are going to go, oh, well, first, that scripture preacher. Well, actually, Jesus said it. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Someone says, why, why should I tithe? Because when you begin to tithe, what happens is you are following the Lord in obedience. And you're saying to him, all that I have. Okay, you, know, you know how much of your money belongs to God and how much belongs to you? Zero belongs to you because you've said you're the Lord. You're the master of my life. When you come to Jesus, you're saying 100% of everything, including your money. I know your money's saying, no, no, that's not true. It's not true. Not true. And I'm speaking to you. Listen, don't let that spirit speak. You, you tell him to hush in the name of Jesus. And, what, and the way we do that is we say, God says, if you'll give me your first tenth, the rest is blessed. Here's what people say. They'll say, well, but pastor. Uh, and by the way, this is, this is the one, when I preach a message on tithing, I always have people come up at the end and go, well, let me just tell you why you're wrong on that. <sighs> Good night, man. If you don't see that there's a spirit attached to this, why is it that you feel like you have to correct tithing? It's just interesting to me. You got better figure that one out because there's probably a voice talking to you that's not the right voice. So listen, what happens is someone says, well, I can't afford a tithe. Okay, listen to me. Here's what I've learned. You can live better on 90% blessed than you'll live on 100% cursed. I'm, I'm just telling you. I, someone says, well, you're just trying to get her. I could care less about getting your money. I don't want your money. But what I do care about is I want you to be blessed. Right. Do you all follow this? It's just a step. It's a piece in being the church. I want to challenge you. Be the church. You can't be the church if you're acting like the world. The world says, I've got to get all I can and can't all I get. The church says, what I have is not mine. It all belongs to the Lord. Be the church. Are y'all with me on this? And there's a whole lot of other things as well. I think God's called us to serve one another. I just, I believe God's called us to serve each other and love each other. You know, that's just part of being obedient to Him. And, and by the way, I, it's funny. You'll come into a church like, not this church. Oh, God, God, it would never happen in this church, right? But, but I've come into churches where people who sit over here sit over here because they're mad at the people over there. And the people, if this is true, I'm sorry, I really, I don't know anything. Pastor Chris has not told me anything. And the people who sit over here is because they're mad at some people over here. Listen, the church can't be walking in unforgiveness. I'm just telling you, we, 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 get, we do better when we're together. And we've got to find a way to learn how to walk in love and forgiveness of one another. Okay, some of you don't know this, but one day you're going to spend eternity with each other. Might be best to work it out here. I'm just saying to you that some of these petty arguments that we get into, God hadn't called the church to that. Come on, can I get an amen or an oh me? I'm just, I want to challenge you. This is what it means to be the church. This is what God has called us to. So you have to practice obedience. Here's the third thing. You must stir up acts of love and good deeds. You must. You must stir up acts of love. And good deeds. I'm talking about with each other. Let me give you a verse real quick. Hebrews chapter 10. I know at this point people are like, I thought you said Matthew 25. I promise we'll get there. Hebrews 10, 25, 10, 19 says, therefore, brothers. Okay, when it says brothers, can we agree he's talking about the family of God? Can we, can we agree when he says brothers? What makes us brothers? Uh, you had a different mother and father than you had, a, than you had mother and father. 
So when he says brothers, he's saying these are people who are born of the Spirit. Listen, when, when you come to this place where you realize we're born of the Holy Spirit, listen, flesh divides us. It divides us by class. Flesh divides us by color, by ethnicity. But when you are born of the Spirit, the dividing walls are torn down and we become one family. We are brothers. Can we agree with that? Are y'all with me on that? So this is what God's called us to. So watch. He says, brothers, since we have come, this is what brought us to the place we became brothers. This is what got us to be born of the Spirit. He says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how do we do it? Because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, there was a blood of a mother and a father who brought you in his flesh. But the blood of Jesus gives you an opportunity to come into the world to be born again. Are are y'all see this? So he says, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that would be Jesus. Can we agree this rock? Y'all see all these words? I'm just trying to point out to you that what Jesus was saying in Matthew 16, he's trying to give it to us again in Hebrews. He says that we have this high priest who's over the house of God. That's Jesus. Let us draw near. Watch. Again, watch these words. So important. Here's what he didn't say. Let me draw near. Oh, if I'll just... God's just calling me to draw near. No! He's calling us. To draw near. We do this better together than we do it alone. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Let us do it in the assurance of our faith that God has given us. Having our, notice these words, these pronouns. Us, our, we're together in this. We do it together. We do it better together. Let us. And our, having our hearts sprinkled clean. Aren't you glad for that? We've all had our hearts sprinkled clean. That means if I, listen, if you have ought over here against your brother over here or your sister and vice versa, let us draw near because God has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We can walk in forgiveness now. Are y'all with me on this? And he says, having our hearts sprinkled clean with an, from, from the old evil conscience, unforgiveness. And our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We stand with each other. For he who promised is faithful. Okay, watch. Here, let me just bring this back into Matthew 16. Here's what he's saying. I'm faithful, but you have a part to play. God says, if you want me to show up and hold back the gates of hell in your midst, You have to come together as one people, one mind, same body, the body of Christ. And when the stones, the Petros, decide they're going to be the Petra, the body of Christ, God says, now my church exists and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. Are y'all with me on that? Is that good? Okay, but you got to see this last verse. Look at this next verse. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Here's, here's what he's saying. He's simply saying you need to learn how to. He's literally saying you need to learn how to serve one another. Learn how to serve one another. Learn how to care for one another. Listen, you're not here to be served. It's just funny. We'll come to church. We never even think about it. We come to church and we go, where's the coffee? Okay, but we don't think. Well, I'm so glad someone got up this morning and made coffee. Someone... 
out of the love of their heart, made coffee. I'm really glad for coffee this morning. I'm glad for coffee. I remember when I went to church, when I was a little boy, we didn't have coffee. We didn't come to church and have coffee. I don't know about that. I'm not sure. We thought, I'm not sure. Maybe you guys didn't grow up like this. I'm not sure we didn't think coffee was sin, you know. You know, I don't remember us ever having coffee at church, unless it was like a fellowship after church. But aren't you glad to come to church early in the morning and they got coffee out there for you? And I don't know, do y'all do donuts here? Aren't you glad for donuts, you know, that we come to church? You know, our, I mean, in our church, our kids used to refer to us as the donut church. They loved to come to church. You know, they'd say, you know, their parents would go, let's go try another church. You know, they were just visiting. Let's go try another church today. And their kids would be like, no, we want to go to donut church. They didn't even know what our name was. They just called us the Donut Church. I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, where someone thought this morning we need to serve someone. Listen to me. You can't be the church if all you think is, how will they serve me today? Come on now. You can't be the church if all you think about is, how will they serve me today? Boy, I like that music. That was for me. Music wasn't for you. Music was for you to worship the Lord. Uh, boy, I, I, that preaching that preaching was for me today. No, no. That preaching was for us today. Are, are you with me on this? You have to learn how to serve each other. In our church, uh, I'm, I'm called the senior pastor. That's my title, senior pastor. I like to refer to myself as a senior servant. God's called me to serve people. This is how it works. So, I'm, again, there's lots of ways that it happens. But for me, when I come to church, and I, I wasn't sure I actually mentioned this in the first service, and then I thought, boy, I might get myself in trouble here. You know, I don't have a sign that says pastor parking. I and I was grateful to hear y'all don't either. So anyway, but here's here when I come to church, I don't try and find the closest spot. I try and find the furthest spot when I come to church. Someone says, why do you do that? Because I want to leave the best spots for others. What kind of church would we have if we started thinking about other people more than we ever thought about us? I know how you are in the Walmart parking lot. Circle around 20, for 20 minutes trying to find the closest spot. What if we come to church and thought, how far out can I get so I can leave the best spots for other people to love on people? Come on. You think that might change the way we are as a church? Loving one another? Where we fought over how much love we could give to another person? Is that good? I'm just telling you, how, how can you serve? Again, you don't serve by sitting in a chair. That does no good. How we serve is... I want, to, I want to be a person who's at the front door welcoming people. I want, I want to be someone who's working with these children and loving on these kids. And I'm, This is being the church. What are you doing? Are you an attender or are you the church? This is your choice. Here's the fourth one. You ready for this? And we're going to do something different. Uh, I just, when we were in worship today, I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We're going to do something different in a minute for or how we're going to close, different than what you're used to, different than how I'm used to. Just felt like this is what God told me. But you have to understand something. There is a response. If you don't respond, you're missing the point of being the church. So you must, if you're going to be the church, you must respond to the calling that God placed on your life. I'm just saying to you, you can't be the church without a response. My question to you is, how will you respond? Let me give you a verse. Hebrews 10.25 says, notice this response. Not, talking to the ecclesia, not forsaking our own assembling together. Think about that. He says, we've got to come together. That's the ecclesia bringing all the Petros to become the Petra. As is the habit of some. This is the world we're living in today. 
where people are like, well, this is, I just don't feel like going to church this week. We've got to get out of that. Y'all ought to say amen because you're here. I'm just telling you. But it also means that I've got to be here next week too and the next week because I don't want to forsake as the world, as Jesus, the approach of Jesus. How do you believe Jesus is coming back soon? Do you believe that? I do. There's something weird that's going on right now in our culture, and we're finding a falling away from Christ. And I don't want to be like the world, not as the habit is some where they don't come to the house of God, but we need to learn to, when we come together, encouraging one another. Does anyone see love and action and deed? Encouraging one another. And we've got to do it more, all the more, as you see the day drawing near. We've got to get ready for this. Matthew 16. I told you we'd go back. Here we are. You ready? I skipped Matthew 25. Some of you are like, where's Matthew 25? I just decided to skip it. It's all right. Y'all okay with that? You go read it on your own. It's a fantastic story about what it means to serve. But Matthew 16. Are you ready? Look at Matthew 16. Look down to verse 19. He says, again, look at verse 18 first. I don't think this is going to come on your screen, but I just want you to give it to you. Verse 18. I also say to you that you are Petros, and upon this Petra I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And then verse 19, he tells us how that works. He goes, and because you did this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Okay. How do you remember when you turned 15, 16? You remember your dad bringing the keys to the car and said, okay, it's time. Here's the keys. I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to train you how to do this. And you're going to get the keys to the car, and you're not going to be real good at it. Uh, you're, going to, you're going to stop short on some places. I, I remember the first time I pulled up to a red light, I stopped like 100 yards behind the red before I got to the red light. My dad's like, pull on up, pull on up, get closer. Then I went across that white line. He's like, stop. <laughs> okay, you're, not, you're not going to be great at being able to know how to operate within the kingdom. But your father in heaven is saying to you, if you'll figure out you're just a little stone in the picture of the bigger whole, and you let me work in your life to the place that you become serving the ecclesia, the church, God says, I'm going to give you some keys, and I'm going to let you operate. You're not going to be great at the beginning, but you'll get better and better and better at it. That's sanctification. You're just going to get better at this. You're going to get more and more saved all the time. I know salvation comes by through justification, but sanctification is a lifelong process where God's saying, no, I'm going to help you to get better at this and better at this and better at this. And I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to let you operate within my kingdom so that the gates of hell cannot come against you. And he says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. How many of you would like to bind Satan out of your marriage? You need to learn how to operate within his kingdom. Because if you'll bind Satan in your home because you became the church, you weren't just a little Petrus out there on your own trying to do it by yourself, but you became a part of the greater big. And God says, I'm going to show up with my kingdom in your life. And now you can say, Satan, get out of my family. Get out of my kid's life. Some of you are 
battling with marriage issues. Some of you are battling with children issues in your home. How would you like to have the power to bind Satan out of your kids? How would you like to have, some of you have, have Satan is all over your finances. How would you like to see Satan get out of your finances? God says, if you'll start learning how to obey me, I'll, rebu- I'll rebuke the devourer out of your life. Do, do y'all see this? He says, so therefore you can bind on earth and I'll do it from heaven for you. And then he says, and whatever you loose on earth. How many would you like to loose on your kids some joy? Come on. He says, you can unleash the kingdom of heaven into your kid's life. And you can bind up Satan and the powers of hell in your children's life. But you've got to learn how to be the church first. Are you all with me on that? So here's my question for you today. What is it that God is saying to you? How should you respond to the calling that God has on your life? I don't know what that is. You're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit about that. Some of you have never served. I don't know who you are. See, I swear I can preach a message like this. I have no clue. You walk up to me and say, I serve every, every place in the church. I, and I'd go, oh, okay, good. But here's what I'm challenging you to be is be the church. And the only way you can do that is to respond to the calling. Some, some of you need Satan out of your marriage. You need to respond to the calling today. I would, I would just challenge some of you men to step up to the plate and be the man that God's called you to be. You need to grab your wife by the hand in just a moment. Come here to the altar, hand in hand. And say, okay, let's put God back in the center of things again. Are, are you all with me on this? My question is, how will we respond? We're all, all about saying we want revival. Revival doesn't come if we don't respond. So I'm going to invite you to respond today. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What's missing? What's not right? What am I not doing for your kingdom? We're going to play a song. A little different. It's going to be on CD, but I just felt like the Lord... I probably... CD's probably not the right term, right? But this is something I feel like we need to get back to. How do we worship Him? And if you need prayer today, while this song is being played, I want you to come. You got a healing issue? Come on. Come on. Just stand up, excuse yourself out of the aisle and come. You got a marriage issue? Come on, right now. Come on, let's do it right now. You got a child issue in your home? Come on, right now, let's pray for it. Let's not wait. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Come on, right now. Stand up, walk up to the front right now. Let's get prayer. Come on, respond right now. You know God's talking to you about some area. You haven't been serving? Man, come to someone and say, Would you pray with me that I would know the calling on my life that God's calling me to? Come on, right now, let's pray about it. Let's not wait. Let's come back to the heart of worship, what it means to worship God. Holy Spirit, come right now. Would you speak to your people right now? Would you speak to your people right now? Father, would you heal marriages, heal homes, heal relationships with kids? 
you're here today, maybe there's unforgiveness on some area of your life. The Bible says that we ought to come and bring our offering, lay it at the foot, and then go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Maybe some of you today just need to find healing among each other. But we're going to be the church. We're going to be the church. Come on, let's stand up right now, all of us. And I want to ask you to respond. If you need prayer, come right now. We're waiting for you. Come on, right now. Let's not wait. You're going to miss out on what God has for you if you miss this. Come on. If someone's, if you're still waiting for someone to pray with you, look and find the person you feel like God's talking to you about. Just move over close to them. Stand in line. They'll get to you here in a moment. So come on, just find someone. Stand right behind them. If you're on our altar team and you're not here, come on right now. We need to pray for you. If you're a leader in this church, come on up here right now. We need people to pray with people right now. Come on, elders. Let's go. I really believe that freedom is coming to some lives and hearts right now. Don't miss out on that. I know some of you are sitting there going, well, what will people think? Well, who cares? If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, man, you ought to just, let's go right now. I will not be scared for the Lord is with me. Come on. I want to pray for you right now. Uh, I just want to share a quick testimony, personal testimony. Share with Mark after the first message. Um, there was a season in my life that when I was at Trinity Fellowship that virtually every Sunday I would go up for ministry. And how can, how can having a brother and sister in Christ agree with you in prayer be a bad thing? Like, we all need that. We need to be the church for each other. We need to be a brother and sister in Christ for each other. And that's what we're here for. So any need, any need, anything that you have uh, that you would like for your brother and sister in Christ to agree with you in prayer, the altar's open. Dearly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the body of Christ, that you encourage us, that you are with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I just pray that any heart that was touched this morning, Father, that they would step out and respond. And they would be touched, not just by your arms and your love, but by the arms and love of their brothers and sisters in Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.